Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Hi, it's Scott Rechtschaffen. I'm the Chief Knowledge Officer at Littler Mendelssohn. I'm here with Kevin Mulcahy, the Vice President of Education and Community Programs at Neodologic. And Kevin and I have both had the privilege over the last 13 weeks to be adjunct professors for Cornell Law School, teaching delivering legal services through technology at the Cornell Tech Campus on Roosevelt Island in New York City. The course that we ran was for an entire semester. And then on the last class, we had a law apps competition. And that's where each of our three student teams got to present the application that they had built over the semester. And they presented it to some distinguished judges who were able to evaluate them on a variety of criteria, which included best user interface, user experience, leveraging technology, and best overall application. Littler's involvement with Cornell Law School started a few years ago when a professor at Cornell learned about what Littler and Neotologic were doing with Compliance HR, a joint venture that we had created. And he was interested in building applications similar to Compliance HR for the field of immigration. He reached out to me to learn more, and I, in turn, introduced him to Neotologic. He then started teaching a course last fall to his immigration students, and he had them build applications. He invited me and and John Lord, who's the founder of Neotologic, to come attend and present at one of his classes. While we were at Cornell, we had the chance to spend some time with Dean Eduardo Penaver, who was becoming very interested in the subject of legal technology. And he was interested in exploring ways to teach legal technology to the Cornell students. Over a series of months, we had discussions and finally came up with this idea of presenting a class in delivering legal services through technology. And he proposed that we start the class by doing it at the Cornell Tech Campus in New York. And that's what got us involved. I should also mention that I'm a Cornell Law School alum, and so it was a natural tie-in. I believe it's important for Littler and really every law firm to get involved in training the lawyers of tomorrow. Law schools have a historic way of training lawyers through the Socratic method, through reading case texts. But the industry is changing. We need more tech-savvy lawyers. We need people who are comfortable with technology, and we need lawyers who understand the changes that are taking place in the industry and the changing client demands. I like to say that the traditional legal academic program teaches law students how to read the law, analyze the law, and then write a brief or write a memo. Well, what we have to do is teach law students how to read the law, analyze the law, and then build applications that their clients can use. Clients are no longer interested in reading long memos or long opinion letters. They want quick answers. They want deliverables that they can use. And there is no better way of delivering that kind of information, that kind of service, than through legal technology. We had a remarkable group of students in this class, people with with real-world experience, 
One of our students from Brazil has practiced law for 20 years. We had three students from China. They all brought a, a unique and different perspective. And what I found so interesting was how open-minded they were to different ways of delivering legal service and practicing law. <laughs> Their experience, uh, some of them practicing, some of them still in law school, hadn't jaded them to there's only one way to do it. Some of the students talked about how this experience might impact their future careers and the way they will practice law. It's funny because I think both of us are sort of exactly in this space. Um, we, we both came to it or from a perspective of wanting to learn more about legal tech. I know that Lizzie has actually had some experience with legal tech and we love being in this class because it gave us the option to hear from the absolute change makers in this industry and see what's possible and from a big law firm that's now investing and in getting their own think tank that does innovation with technology and data to the other spectrum of a nonprofit that's starting to use apps that are built in Neota. Um, it's really interesting to see and I think for me it's broken me out of the idea that I have to be in a big law firm in order to engage with tech and that's really cool. Yeah, and, and similarly for me, being right in the heart of it and, and learning about the technology and, and also coming from a legal background, it's almost now not an option to not explore technology and its intersection with the law. Um, it's almost like a duty. We have to leverage this to better service clients as well as I just think that there's um, because it's all new and it's evolving so quickly, there's there's no longer that sort of hierarchical structure and order you need to you know do so many years. It's like we've got the knowledge, we've got the skills. It's really exciting that I, you can sort of jump in straight away and start to create change or um, innovate within so many different organisations, which yeah is really exciting for me in terms of choosing a career path uh, upon graduation. It's definitely headed towards um, innovation and, and really marrying up my love for the law as well as my love for making things better and using technology to, to, to create things. I know, I think um, this experience actually um, opens up like an alternative door for me. It's like um, I can see something else I can do. It's not like the traditional law firm job. Possibly um, I can work some like product on my own end that could be distributed to the market people can access it but i see a way of like you know um, exercising my entrepreneurship if possible in the future yeah i think it's more like a new industry yeah it can change the way we do our work yeah, yeah actually uh, personally um i was never considering uh, employment in the legal tech area. I was just trying to understand how it's gonna impact the industry in the future. Mm. Uh, but uh, having gone through the whole semester with all the wonderful lectures and presentations and understanding better on how the legal tech industry uh, was the status quo and where it's going, I think I'm seriously considering future career in the legal tech area. Yeah, and I think even more general through this course, I learned about legal tech and I fell in love with this type of world. I think it's amazing and you can do so much out of it and like make all the legal work so much more efficient. So I'm sure 
I'll have some future in this kind of space, yeah. We are seeing a new generation of legal professionals enter the profession. These are young lawyers who are comfortable with technology, who understand technology and what it can do. What they may lack is the skills to use the specific technology that's being developed for law. And that's the gap we have to bridge. I mean, if you think about it, law students now, they, they're digital natives. They live with technology. They've grown up with technology. And then they get to a law firm and the technology is, is cumbersome. It's very varied. Each firm uses a different type of platform. It's not user-friendly. So we have to give them the means. We have to give them better tools to take what they know. They know what kind of service they need to deliver. And we need to empower them to use technology and help develop technology that will make the delivery of legal services more efficient. Teaching app building skills to law students is very important to Neotologic because we want to see the next generation of lawyers comfortable with this skill set. We have this platform that we're providing to law firms and law departments around the world, but if there are not students coming in to use that platform, it's not going to be as successful as we'd like. But what we found is that it's pretty easy sell. The law schools are coming to us. They really want their students to be able to be practitioners in building applications. And for most students, learning to code is just a bridge too far. That's not something they're realistically going to be able to do. So having a platform like Neotologic is very attractive. They can create advanced applications, but do so without coding. The legal apps competition focused on building applications for legal service organizations for several reasons. Number one, we have a critical access to justice problem in this country. Something like 80% of Americans never talk to a lawyer, never use a lawyer, and many of them need to, particularly low-income individuals, the disabled community, other communities have real need for legal advice and counsel. And it is very difficult. Legal service is costly and fairly inaccessible. So through this program, we're hoping to give legal service organizations the tools to enable them to serve more people. A great example of this is uh, Pine Tree Legal in Maine, which assists its clients and has a small group of lawyers to serve the needs of the entire state of Maine. By giving them technology tools, it enables them to serve a wider community. For example, in the area of housing discrimination, a significant segment of the population impacted by housing discrimination are people with disabilities. Well, if they have to travel to another city or even across town to come in and meet with a lawyer and spend hours answering questions to just establish whether or not they're eligible for assistance, that's a very cumbersome process. Using an online application, we can quickly determine their eligibility for assistance from their own home. It's incredibly important that more legal service organizations be able to deploy these tools in order to take their limited resources and assist 
a wider population. In addition to Pine Tree Legal, the other organizations with whom we worked were Legal Assistance of Western New York and Canine Companions for Independence. And we had a chance to talk to the student teams about their work with these organizations. So we worked with Canine Companions for Independence. They provide uh, service dogs free of charge to people that need them. And what is really cool is that they have so many different types of assistance dogs that they offer. And what we learned about their mission was not just that they wanted to provide assistance animals to the people that needed them, but also this deep-rooted passion for education and making people aware about the differences between a trained service dog and a pet and all of the issues that come with that. So it's been really interesting to interact with the organization and see how they approach the challenges that they deal with on a daily basis, like people being denied access to places because of their dogs and being able to help with that. Yeah, I think that what I've really learned is how real these issues are for people that use service animals um, and and the impact, the huge impact of that on their life and how something that we can, an application that we can create can really shift the needle and how service dogs, emotional support animals are, are viewed in society um, and that's been really inspiring I think for both of us. So we are able to get connected to uh, people in need, which is a, a law clinic that helps a lot of people in Western New York with civil law issues. And they were specifically in need of this bankruptcy intake procedure app and uh, product that would facilitate people's access to uh, understanding this their situation. And uh, it was a great experience going through and learning how to better use the tools, uh, extract logical reasoning from a variety of different bankruptcy rules and see where we could make the user experience a little bit better. They're very passionate uh, about uh, their work. They are very constrained in their resources. So any kind of help uh, that they can have is uh, very important. Uh, so they're seeing this app as a solution for many people that will go for them to get some basic information on what bankruptcy is. And at the same time, for the person that is actually going through with it, to actually understand what's going on, the kind of information that they have to provide, all the different things that are relevant for a bankruptcy case. It's not just the car payments that are behind. It's everything in your life that you have to uh, collect and uh, go talk to the clinic uh, with that information in your hand. Technology can play a tremendous role in helping these nonprofit legal service organizations extend their reach and increase their efficiency. Commonly, these organizations will tell us that they have a very small staff and they can't even get close to responding to the number of requests that they have for services. So they often ask for the law students to build them triage systems that will ask questions of the people that come to the website and sort them into different groups. And then, based on the findings that the system reaches, 
those users are directed to particular lawyers or they're given self-help advice if the organization feels that that's appropriate. So this whole exercise of deciding what buckets to put the users in, what rules to use, when to refer to a human lawyer, when to just provide tailored advice. These are all decisions that the students make and they actually control the systems and they have to test the systems to make sure that they're running accurately and all the nuances are correct. So it's actually a great way for them to not only learn technology, but to learn the law itself. Now let's hear from some of the students themselves about how they see technology impacting legal service organizations. I personally think that it's going to impact every way we do legal services. I think that there's a real fear, um, especially around uh, from some lawyers thinking, oh no, my job's going to be replaced by robots. And I think I come from, I come at it from a very optimistic and sort of excited um, point of view that we went to law school for a reason and it wasn't to do 20,000 hours of discovery or due diligence or you know, what proofreading, it was to help people, it was to help clients, it was to analyze and, and use that really exciting part of our brain that is what, you know, makes us lawyers. So rather than thinking about it in terms of being replaced, it's almost, it's leveraging it to make us more efficient and, and the kind of lawyers that we really always wanted to be and be able to spend more time on the, on the really important issues and, and getting to know our clients and, and their needs. So from, from everything, from contract automation to discovery, we're starting to look at it in, in predictive, um, you know, judicial predictions using AI, machine learning, um, all of these technologies can be applied very easily to the legal profession. Um, it's just getting, getting it in the door, really. Yeah. For me personally, it's more about this idea that not everyone has access to justice, but everyone has access to a smartphone. And I think that that's a really interesting shift. Um, back home in India, a lot of people have to wait years to be able to get in front of a judge. And they may not even necessarily know how to read, but they have a 4G connection and they're able to connect to the internet. And I think that leveraging that to be able to bring legal services to so many more people in a way that's not resource intensive because um, an app like this can filter out so many different issues and for example if someone doesn't have the information that they need when they're on a call or on a helpline an app like this can give them the time that they would need to be able to collect that data and it helps us like Lizzie said be more efficient lawyers that can help more people and that's really important. I see lawyers getting more and more efficient being able to dedicate their time to more intellectual work rather than just matters that are not uh, that they're not adding value to their clients. Uh, so uh, there are lots of tools that are in place today or being developed that uh, are working on this task of transforming clients' information into the kind of information that the lawyer will need to provide his services in an automated way so that the lawyer will just need to focus on what's really different and relevant for, for each case. 
One of the main things that we hope the students have learned from this is that they can really reach large audiences, but they can do it on a one-to-one -one basis. We call it you know, an extensive reach, but doing it one-to-one. -one. And it's really not very different from traditional practice of law. It's just that they're doing it asynchronously. They still have to have insights and they have to listen carefully and they have to have empathy but they do it in advance. They prepare these applications and then six months later, that interview occurs and it helps that person get to the root of their problem and puts that user in the right direction and on a path to success. So these lawyers are actually doing what lawyers have done for centuries. It's just they're now making it highly efficient and they are responsible. They're not creating robots and stepping back. These apps are the lawyers themselves and the firms behind them are going to have to maintain them and be responsible for them. So what we're training students to do is not really change practice of law, but just do it at a more industrialized scale. And that's what happened in the first industrial revolution. It just took about a hundred years to catch up for this white collar work to get the same sort of benefit. And it's interesting to hear the student's own perspective on the need for legal professionals to have hands-on technical skills. It was actually really amazing to be able to work with Neota Logic because it doesn't have um, the apprehension that a lot of other programming languages have. It's easy to use and it's a way for us to start engaging and stop feeling like we're technophobes. Um, most of us here aren't technophobes, that's why we're at Cornell Tech, but it gave us the ability to understand how easy it is to start engaging with technology to really start making a difference. Yeah, and to add on that point, I think it, it also forced our legal brains to switch into sort of product managers or, or user researchers. So it's it's thinking about information we need to give a client and creating that in a digestible way in terms of presenting it to them. The logic of how a user or, or a client would actually, their thought pattern would go through, I've got this issue, what am I gonna do? And I think that that's really important for lawyers to sort of keep thinking about that. At the core, these are humans that just need some assistance. And while the legal, the legal information and advice is really important, a lot of it is just guiding someone through a really tricky situation. So I think it's not only this class. It's like this class together with like the entire program that we learn a lot about technology. And I think that even just I used to work back home. I was a lawyer and I used to work with clients and I used to help them with like their legal job of, of with respect to their technologies um, and I didn't understand the technology and I think that when you understand you can really understand what your client is doing you can help them much better and I think like maybe in general you can help like the legal work develop their tools and things like this because when someone that is not in, from the legal world tries to develop some kind of tools it won't look the same as like when a lawyer tries to develop it because he knows what he needs. And this class is a good, let's say, halfway compromise because it allows even lawyers that are not so, let's say, 
tech-savvy to deal with technology in a, a reasonable way and actually learn a lot about legal reasoning without being coders. We hope the students took away several things from this class. Of course, the learning how to use technology, the ability to build applications. But there was a second aspect to the class, which was throughout the 13 weeks, we brought in guest speakers, lawyers who are practicing law in a completely different way. We brought in people like Jake Heller from Case Text and Colin Rule from Modria. These are two lawyers who have built legal technology companies that are delivering services in a different way. We brought in Paul Wiener, Littler's National E-Discovery Council. We brought in Aaron Cruz, Littler's global head of data analytics. These are lawyers who are practicing law in a very different way than traditional lawyers have practiced. And we really wanted to expose the students to alternative careers that you don't just have to be a litigator or a transactional lawyer. You can provide service to clients, to your firm, to companies in other ways. And we wanted to give them the big picture of how the legal industry is changing, how technology is impacting, not just at the micro level of, of building particular services, but at the macro level where alternative business structures are now emerging to deliver legal services to the community. Let's hear what the students thought were the key takeaways from the competition. It's pretty easy if you sit down and actually decide that you want to make change, you can. And there are a lot of people around you that will always help you do that. So that's been one of my key. And then the other one is that, like Lizzie said, the law is changing. It's no longer about sending, you know, 500 page memos to people and, and giving them words that they can't understand. And this experience really brings the user to the forefront, which I think is something that's really important for legal professionals to understand um, in sort of the age of Twitter, where, you know, 140 characters is the attention span limit. We have to start making the law more palatable. And this was a great introduction to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that another takeaway for me was the the change in the legal landscape. You know, no longer are clients willing to pay just endless amounts of money to lawyers for advice. It's becoming far more competitive and competitors are no longer, you know, the top top tier firms. They are legal tech startups and they are largely built by engineers with very little um, sort of legal experience. So it's it's navigating the way through the profession really and, and who, what are the threats and how can we sort of come together to create the best experience for for clients and for users and um, yeah yeah like um from a really high philosophical level uh it sort of sorts of like changes the way i think about law i just feel like i'm so fascinated by like what we did through this master and uh, it shows me like possibly I'm like a more business-oriented person. It shows me that there is a great, great potential in this market. And um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> that's my key takeaway. Like, you know, law is not about, you know, sitting in that office, like meeting your clients physically anymore. Like you can reach to more people by using the technology.
I'm mine is that we we always heard that technology and the advancement in all this computer stuff is gonna make lawyers jobless in the future. <laughs> After this class, I think um, I'm pretty sure uh, we always need lawyers. But at the same time, uh, I feel that it's really important to focus on the part where machines cannot do and what's what really a lawyer can provide, uh, the in-person service, effective communication to understand what a client really needs, and instead of focus on the mechanical part where you can actually just use an app to do it. It's not that complicated to build an app. Everyone can do it. Um, I think this is the main one. Yes, yes. For, for this lawyer that went to law because he doesn't like computers or she doesn't like computers or numbers or math. This is not math. This is just doing what we do as lawyers with a piece of paper. Uh, same, same logic, same thing that you do in your mind sometimes when you sit with a client and you start hearing and the words and uh, dividing the different buckets and tell, so, okay, so this is here, this is there. This is just a way to automate that process uh, for someone else that doesn't need to be you next time. This opportunity has been so great for us because we got a chance to work with Littler, which is an amazing law firm. They committed so many resources to help us bring insights to the students in the form of guest speakers. And we got to work with Cornell Tech in New York City, part of Cornell University, dedicated to the fusion of technology, design, and law. And all of those factors came into play in our course. So it was really ideal. And now we're gonna take some of the lessons we learned from this semester, and we're gonna apply them in some other law schools that are starting in Europe and in Australia, where this trend is uh, picking up a lot of speed as well. We're finding that there is a lot of demand among law schools and other types of schools to provide this sort of training. So if anybody's interested in discussing how we could apply this type of course in your institution, we encourage people to visit our website, neotologic.com, and contact us. Thank you for listening. Once again, we'd like to thank the Cornell Law School, Neotologic, Cornell Tech, and of course, Littler Mendelssohn. For more information, go to the website, neotologic.com, littler.com, or the respective websites of Cornell Law School and Cornell Tech. Thank you for listening. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.